0: Let's pray. Jesus, because you left heaven, endured the shame and the suffering of the cross, we can be children of God. We can have eternal life within us. We can be animated by that confidence that we, we are loved by you, that you bend your great power that uh, formed this universe on our behalf, and that when we die, it's not over. We get to live forever and ever with you in paradise. And we're so thankful for that. Jesus, thank you for uh, choosing to suffer on our behalf. Thank you for making all of this possible. We proclaim you. We honor you. We're here together because you invite us into a relationship with you. So we are responding. Right now we choose to uh, just open our hearts to how you wish to speak to us. Some of us desperately need comforted, others challenged, some need to be taught. And so we we submit to your work, Spirit of God. Please have your way with us. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I like seeing all of you. Thank you for being here today. It's good to see you. So we are halfway through our series on world religions. And let me just remind us why we are studying other religions. We are Christians. Uh, but we, uh, the data suggests that Christians who are knowledgeable about other faiths are, are far more inclined to have conversations with people of other religions. And those conversations are critical so that we can ultimately point people to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we've titled this series, Conversant. We want to become uh, conversant with other faiths so that we engage people in conversation. Because the fact is, the religions are no longer over there. They're now next door, and we might work with, go to school with, be friends with, even family members with someone who practices another religion. And so we want to have a certain comfort level with engaging them in spiritual conversation, uh, and so ultimately we can point them to Jesus. Also, um, our own appreciation of Christ, I think, just goes up when we in a sense, compare him with the competition. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just increasingly appreciative of, as I've been studying these other religions, appreciative of what we have in Jesus. It's amazing what God has made available to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Praise praise Jesus. Uh, And so uh, I think our hearts uh, through this series should be inflamed. In fact, if you're um, here exploring, if you're not a Christian, but you're just kind of interested in spiritual things and you're still exploring, uh, I predict that if you'll hang with us through this series, uh, by the end you will just be like, wow, uh, what what, uh, God offers in his son Jesus is so attractive. Uh, I want that. I want to be in a relationship with him. So we have already talked about Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, Today we're going to try to deal with we are going to deal with two religions uh, at the same time: Confucianism and Buddhism. Nope, we did Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism. And the reason we're t- doing two in one day is because these religions both or, they came uh, uh, originated from the same place at the same time in response to the same situation on the ground. These are religions that began in China about 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And there, the, the, the situation on the ground was civil war. In fact, uh, these religions began right at the beginning of what is known as the Warring States Period in China, a time of continual and perpetual civil war as the many different fiefdoms uh, fought with each other competing for power. And so society was in chaos and Confucianism and Taoism are both attempts to bring some order and some harmony to a totally chaotic uh, society. And they go about that. Uh, their proposals are very different from each other. But they're, they're, they're trying to um, promote human flourishing. We're going to deal first with Confucianism. Then we're going to talk about Taoism, uh, otherwise known as Taoism. Uh, you've probably seen the, the, the Tao of cooking, right, and the Tao of everything. You see these books all the time. For some reason, some people call it uh, with a T and some with a D. I'm using the Tao today, talking about the Tao. Um, and then I'm going to respond to these religions from a Christian's perspective. But before we get there, there's one more kind of overarching concept you've got to have in mind. Um, Confucianism and Taoism, uh, they, there was already a very clear religious... Um, thought in China when they began. And they didn't kind of rewrite all of their religious worldview, they just sort of worked within it. And so a primary religious worldview that was in place and is still in place is the idea of a heavenly realm and an earthly realm constantly um, in intersecting, interpenetrating, right? So here's a symbol of that. So the uh, Chinese understood the heavenly realm to be populated with gods and goddesses and the spirits of your dead ancestors. And this heavenly realm was uh, often intersecting the earthly realm and the earthly realm, the heavenly realm. So we could actually make life better for our dead ancestors if we sacrifice to them and venerate or worship them. Somehow that makes their life in the heavenly realm better. They, in turn, are pleased with us and will make our life in the earthly realm better because they have got some supernatural powers they can uh, kind of leverage to our benefit. Uh, heaven, the heavenly realm also has some uh, kind of special knowledge, and sometimes you want some heavenly knowledge, and so we can access that through divination and consulting of mediums. So heavenly realm, earthly realm, and they're interpenetrating, and uh, there's not just this you know, clear line that we Christians tend to say, you know, uh, tend to think of in terms of the, the other world. Interpenetrating. And so that understanding of reality uh, has not gone away. It actually continues and is wrapped around both, Hindu, uh, both Confucianism and Taoism. And so there is all kinds of uh, spirituality very religious uh, spiritualism around both of these these religions. All right, let's go to Confucianism. Confucius lived about five hundred years before Christ. He was never famous in his lifetime. He offered his wisdom to a number of the Chinese rulers, and they all turned him down. They weren't interested. He did get a couple of disciples, but basically he died in obscurity and his teachings did not become popular until many years later. But when they became popular, they became wildly popular. Other than the Bible, the writings of uh, Confucius, uh, the most translated and probably influential writings ever. In fact, for hundreds and hundreds of years, if you wanted any government job in China, you had to take a Confucian proficiency exam. You needed to understand Confucius' thought. And that was in place for uh, actually over a thousand years. Tremendously in, uh, influential. So we have been examining each religion by asking four questions. What's the problem with the human condition? What is the solution to that problem? What, that becomes the religious goal. What are, what's the technique for arriving at it? And then ultimately, who are the exemplars? Who do we look to who's been there, done that? Confucius says that the problem, Confucius say, God, I had to do that, Confucius say, the problem, the problem is subhuman living. There are lots of people in this world who are not living life as, as, uh, as fully as it could be lived. They're, they're uh, living subhuman lives. And so the solution is to become fully human. Confucianism uh, believes and, and promotes Development. Every person can become better. Every person can develop, and so the goal you want to develop yourself, develop yourself, and become more fully human and have a, a a better a better existence. The technique, it's all about the technique with Confucians, Confucianism. The technique is to cultivate two critical virtues. Number one is ren, and number two is li. Ren is sort of an attitude. It's human heartedness, kindness, compassion, concern for other people. And so you want to cultivate Ren, human heartedness, toward every other person on planet Earth, including yourself. And then you express that very practically in Li. Li, best, best translation of Li is, a proper etiquette. There is a proper thing to do in any given situation. Confucius said that uh, we, we are social creatures and that we, we have a full life when we live in right relationship with other people. And he said there are five key relationships in the world that drive everything. And uh, these five relationships have corresponding obligations. And those relationships, I have a chart here, uh, those relationships are um, the parent to, to child, ruler to subject, husband to wife, uh, and then and I'm back in the other way, uh, older sibling, younger sibling, friend to friend. And so he said every relationship has an, a, a, a corresponding obligation. Or another way to put that is to say the virtuous parent Uh, treats his or her children with um, human heartedness, with kindness, with compassion, with love. The virtuous child relates to mom and dad with filial piety, honor. And that honor is not just in this life, I won't shame you and I'll take care of you when you get old, but it extends into the next life. I will venerate you, I'll offer sacrifices to you so that your life in in the heavenly realm is better off. Uh, the ruler, it, the, rulers, the, uh, the virtuous ruler, treats uh, his or her subjects with um, justice, rightness. The virtuous subject relates to, with loyalty to the, um, to the ruler. And on and on it goes, you can see there. Uh, that one I find interesting. The, husband, the, hu- the virtuous husband relates to his wife in ritual. And that's um, kind of sac- ritualistic, sac- it's Kind of, it has a connotation of sacrifice. But, you know, a, uh, a wife should be able to expect certain things from her husband. She needs to, he needs to shut the toilet seat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he needs to provide financially for her and be, not be unfaithful to her and not shame her, right? There's, isn't that interesting? And then uh, the wife, virtuous wife, she, she, her relationship, she obeys her husband. So there, there we go. Confucianism has identified... Uh, it, in fact, Confucianism... Some call Confucianism the religion of Lee. It is all about proper etiquette. For every situation, there is a proper thing to do. And, the, and here's the... What are you trying to do? You're trying to become a profound person. The exemplar is the person who, through study has learned uh, what is the proper thing to do in any given situation and then does that. And that person has, the, has a fully human life, lives in great, has great relationships with other people and promotes the good of, and harmony of society. Confucius himself was not concerned with, at all with uh, how to get kind of heavenly power benefiting us he was talking about how we relate to each other here on earth and as a result uh, there's been this ongoing debate about whether confucianism should even be thought of as a religion the state of china people's republic of china identifies five religions and Taoism is one of them confucianism is not that their attitude is it this is a philosophy of living it's a way of life But as I mentioned at the beginning, Confucius never repudiated this uh, idea of the uh, interpenetrating heaven and earth. And so around Confucianism, there are temples and around it has grown up. uh, There's all kinds of divination and uh, uh, ancestral worship and and, uh, little in the homes of uh, practitioners of Confucianism, little places where you can do sacrifices to your ancestors. And so, it is, has become, it is very spiritualized. I looked at Confucianism, I thought, man, all truth is God's truth, and there's a whole bunch of truth in this stuff. This is some pretty good wisdom. You know, the Bible talks about reciprocal relationships. You know, uh, children, honor your father and mother. It's first commandment that has a promise. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrifice for her wives, submit to your husbands. Slaves, submit to your masters. Masters, take care of your, of your uh, slaves. Treat them justly, right? A lot of, lot of wisdom in this. And it does, I think, uh, lead to something. That, you know, this can lead to harmony in relationships. So there we go. Conf, you're now up on Confucianism. We have to turn now to Taoism. Taoism, it was begun by uh, Lao Zhu. Lao Zhu lived um, basically the same time as Confucius, a little bit later. And Lao Zhu, yes, he liked to ride a bull. He rode a bull on his way out of China. And right before he left China, because he was trying to escape the, um, the civil wars, and right before he left, he left with uh, the border guard his thinking. That became very, uh, very influential and became Taoism. So, Lao Tzu says the problem is lifelessness. Lao Tzu said every human carries within herself, himself, a chi. Chi is your vital life energy. The problem is you can lose your chi. In fact, if you lose all your chi, you die. And so, but you can also, you can maintain your chi and you can build your chi. And so... There are uh, people right here in this room who have more chi today than others. And those of you who are living with depleted chi are kind of lifeless. That's why there are type A personalities. No, they don't say that. I I made that one up. And so there are, but there are a whole bunch of people in the world who are living uh, lifeless lives, and as a result, uh, at a minimum, they're not experiencing life the way they could, and and many of them, many people are dying before their time because they don't they they don't know how to maintain their chi. So it's a, a, a less vibrant life and a shorter life. So what's the solution? The solution is maintain and increase your chi so that you can have a full life and a long life. In fact, uh, Taoism, uh, many Taoists believe and teach that you can attain immortality. If you can learn how to uh, maintain a perfect balance of qi, well, you'll never die, because in order to die, you got to drain all the qi out of you. And the most popular heroes in Taoism are the eight immortals. The eight. There are statues of the eight immortals all over China. They discovered the secret of of maintaining a perfect balance of chi. And if you, can, if you can kind of learn the secret of, uh, of uh, the chi, then you actually, you kind of, uh, you get to this place where you can, you can be either in the heavenly realm or in the earthy, earthly realm. You can sort of bounce back and forth forever. Have you seen the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? And I never understood how those Kung Fu masters could fight up in the treetops. And now I understand. The, they had mastered chi, and that had just kind of freed them. There you go. It's possible. I can get up there. I wasn't going to say that. That got me off. Oh, yes. So now it's the technique. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm excited. How do I increase my chi? How do I maintain it and increase it? And so what's the technique? Here's the technique. Live in harmony with the Tao. What's the Tao? Who's Tao? Uh, Live in harmony with the Tao. Okay, so what's the Tao and how do I live in harmony with the Tao? The Tao is an impersonal life force. Uh, It's the impersonal life force of the entire cosmos. It's what created this universe and it's what sustains and animates. It's impersonal, but it has a, uh, a nature. And if you can live in harmony with the Tao, well, that's where you get your chi anyways, and it'll fill your chi. But if you are out of step with the Tao, if you're, then your chi will begin to drain out of you. All right, so how do we dance with the Tao? What is the nature of the Tao so I can live in harmony with it? And here's, let me give you some pictures. These are, these are pictures to help. Because it's, it's hard to explain the Tao. So we've got to just use pictures. The first picture is untamed nature. Untamed nature is probably the best illustration of the Tao there is. If you leave nature alone, it flourishes. Don't mess with it, and it'll just flourish. It's when you try to tamper with it, when you try to get nature to do, you know, what you want it to do, that you run the risk of killing it, right? Your green thumb turns into a brown thumb. But if you leave nature alone, it's going to flourish. So that's the first principle of the Tao, is it's natural. Here's another picture. Uh, Floating in a stream or swimming with the current. There's a guy floating down a little stream. And that's, that's a picture of living in harmony with the Tao. Uh, the Tao is going places. It, but you don't want to fight against it. You just want to go with the flow. You want to go with the flow. And so don't be striving. Don't be trying to make stuff happen. Don't try to manipulate, Don't try to manipulate people. And force people to do anything other than what they want to do. Because you're, you're, you're living, uh, you're not in harmony with the Tao. So there's natural, that naturalness. There's authenticity. The Tao is authentic. Uh, here's another picture. Wandering. Big motif in Taoism is, is go, on a, go on a wander. Think about wandering as opposed to travel. When you're traveling, you're, you've got a destination, you're trying to go somewhere, you're frustrated when there are obstacles. When you're wandering, you're just exploring. You're not trying to accomplish anything. You're just in you're taking things as they come. You're wandering and you're like, look, that's a cool stick. And so you reach down, you look at the stick, and you wield it around. And the next thing you're playing some swords. Uh And then you come to a stream, and you're like, oh, I could splash in the stream, I can float down the stream, I can cross the stream, and you just do what you want to do. Uh, You're not trying to uh, accomplish anything. And so Taoism says, listen, uh, living in harmony with the Tao, don't be trying to uh, accomplish anything. Just live and let live. And just, just go. Life is a wander. Life is a take it as it comes. And so to live it, the, the Tao is uh, natural, authentic, spontaneous, equi- uh, equanimity. It's kind of at peace because it's not trying to really make anything happen. Now, as you can see how Lao Tzu looked at civil war and said, civil war is a result of people trying to you know, make life other than it is. And so just calm down a bit relax. So the exemplary person, the exemplary person is the person who uh is spontaneous and authentic and um and and chill. Chill. So I look at I look at Taoism and I'm like, I you know, I don't like your uh you know, there is no Tao, but hey, we should be chiller. I like that. We probably are are could all chill out a little bit. And have a little bit more of a wandering spirit, not be striving so much, right? uh, We seem so intent on making stuff happen. In China, there are three, called the three teachings of China are uh, Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. Buddhism, although, came from India. But in China, very few people are only one or the other. They mix them, and they have no problem mixing them. In fact, the uh, proverb, uh, kind of the proverb is, Chinese tend to be Confucius as it relates to ethics and public life. They're Taoist as it relates to their private life and their hygiene. Hmm." And uh, they're Buddhist when it comes to uh, death. And they just mix and match and they pick and choose as they will. Which, frankly, I think is something uh, a lot of people are doing with all the religions, you know. The more I study them, the more I, I, see, I see just uh, aspects of all of this stuff mixing and swirling around in our culture. And a lot of people, because they don't believe in absolute truth, uh, they're not trying to find what's right. They're saying, that's cool, I want some of that. I want to I do some kung fu. and Oh, by the way, uh, Tai Chi. So here are some very practical ways that, um, very practical ways Taoists try to increase their chi. Um, acupuncture, uh, elixirs, grind up a uh, rhino's horn and eat it, right? Or a moose antler. Uh, Don't get sick, though. And maybe that'll increase your chi. And then there's the, that's kind of external alchemy. Then there's internal alchemy where it's about uh, meditating, doing mental wandering, clearing your mind, and then tai chi, See how Tai Chi is whew, mimics living in harmony with the Tao? And actually, you know, Tai Chi. I wasn't gonna do some of those pusses, but tai, see how that actually increases your it increases your chi. Alright, now let's respond to you, you're now you know all about Confucianism, all about Taoism. Now let's respond to To it from a Christian, to these religions from a Christian perspective. I applaud Confucius and I applaud Lao Zhu for asking a critically important question How do I have life to the full? Where can abundant life be found? That is a critical question in the human heart, an important question. And frankly, I think they kind of point in some correct directions. Confucius says it's all about living in right relationship with other people. And the Taoism, Taoism says it's about living in harmony with whatever created this, this universe. They believe it's the Tao. But you know what? That was 500 years before Christ. And I can't, I can't uh, help but think of the Apostle Paul who, when he's talking to the Athenians, who were idol worshipers, he said, listen, in times past, God overlooked such Ignorance. But now He commands all people everywhere to repent, have a change of mind and a change of heart. Uh, listen, God, the Creator, he said, "I, I know that you are, are wanting to know how to have life to the full. You're unable to figure it out on your own. I'm going to come down and show you. What did Jesus say in John 10:10? "I have come." that they might have life to the full. I've come that you might have abundant life. The creator took on human form and he said, let me show you how to live your best life here and now and how to have life everlasting. Jesus is God in human flesh, the creator who comes down and says, this this is how you are meant to live. This is the way that you will find true life. Fulfillment, true happiness. And, and, uh, and it's about a, rela- a right relationship with God and a, re- a right relationship with other people. It's, a, it's about a heart animated by uh, agape love. Sacrificial, unconditional love. And Jesus said, if you want life to the full, It's about having a personal relationship with me, your creator. It's about getting uh, rid of the principle of sin that lives within you and has been messing everything up from the time of Adam and Eve. And I'm going to deal with sin on the cross. On the cross, I'll pay the penalty for your sins. And then by my Holy Spirit, which I will put within you, we're going to deal with the presence and the power of sin in your life and I'm going to transform you. And when you die, I'm going to take you to be with me in paradise forever and ever and ever. So the human heart longs for life abundant, a full life in this in this life and life everlasting. And that's what Jesus came to bring. And let me state, you know, um, although I have tremendous respect for uh God's truth reflected in other religions. Make no mistake, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. God has provided a way to life eternal, and it's through his son, Jesus Christ. Our memory verse for this month, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, you are my disciples if you keep my commandments, and you will know the truth, and the truth is will set you free. Who wants to be free? Who wants to have eternal and abundant life? It can be found in a relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we honor you as our creator. We are staggered by the fact that you loved us enough to leave heaven and come to earth, take on human form, and then go to the cross. And pay the penalty that we deserve. By your stripes, we are healed. You did nothing wrong. We did, but you took the penalty for our sins upon yourself. And you offer to every man, woman, child on planet earth, forgiveness of sins and life everlasting through a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today who does not yet, who has not yet experienced that Uh, transformation, who who does not have the uh, hope of eternal life animating their lives, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen.